shopping arena as you can probably hear in the background i'm here with kurt how's your day going there kurt pretty good excellent we're sitting here watching oh actually it's just finished victoria's come out on top in the handicap event we're hoping to get some interviews shortly um kurt's a big supporter of the uh, the wood shopping here he has a well-thumbed copy of uh, Dave Foster's book, Autographed. He's, he had autographed right here as a, as a youngster. So, yeah, he's always been a fan of the wood shopping. Um, when I said, let's go to the Easter show, he said, only if we can go to the wood shopping. We're sitting up here in the members section. Um, we urge all the listeners out there to join the Royal Agricultural Society and support these guys. Uh, they need our help. So... Sitting in the members area, you've got to get here early, as we've done today. Um, the wood shopping is always a very popular event. Uh, lucky we got here when we did. It's starting to fill up quite a bit here, this members section. Um, the only ones in it. <laughs> well, we're the only ones in it at the moment, but it does, it does fill up uh, later in the day. See how fascinating it is that now these people are getting ready to do the one where they stand on the bit of wood and cut it? And as an aficionado, that's how I would describe this. And um, Yeah, I think they call that the above and below There you go, event. the above and below event. And they cut in their own footholds, so then they can stand on firmly with their Dunlop volleys on. There's a story about some chap who cut off his toe right through his Dunlop volleys, ruining the pair of shoes, unfortunately, but then just picked up the toe and walked off without a qualm to get it sewn back on. Yeah, they're a bit tougher, these guys, and, um, than some of the guys that we deal with these days. Um, but, yeah, it is fascinating when you see them preparing preparing their block for the event. And they, they're preparing it with their axe. It's so sharp. You've got no idea how sharp these axes are. It's, it's said that some of them are so sharp you could shave with them. Uh, we're going to try and get a couple of interviews lately, and we're going to ask some people about that. And... Um, Hopefully, I've got a bit of a three-day growth here, so I might have a go with one of those axes and see if I can uh, take some of this um, stubble off. Yeah, that might be medicine for injury, I think. Yeah, it sure will. Kurt, you're a bit of an aficionado of the uh, the wood chopping. Absolutely. I've sat here and watched it many a time. When they prepare the block, um, is there a certain uh, criteria they have to meet as far as how high the, the foot the foot spots need to be and and how much bare wood is exposed? If there is, I'm completely unaware of it, but I do note that they're all consistently the same. Looking out there at the moment, you can see one fellow's finishing his off, but the other ones that are finished all look exactly the same to me. They do. You cannot tell the difference. It's um, it's quite a skill, and I'd say it only comes with practice, years of practice. I think they put nails into them as well, so it breaks off in a certain way. Unbelievable. The, this is the science behind wood chopping. You don't think it's scientific, but it is. Very much so, very much so. So we're here in the Charles Moses Woodchop Arena. 
Oh, it's like a it's like a modern day coliseum, isn't it, Kurt? And we, we very much look at the woodchoppers as modern day gladiators. I did not know any better. I would assume I was in Rome right now. We just go out to watch the um, the 300 millimeter standing block event. Who have you got your money on there, uh, Kurt, in this event? like a motley crew of fellas, these ones. Um, there's a bald-looking bloke down this end from Victoria by the looks of it, who must be the high marker, so I think we've got to go with him. He's greasing up his axe at the moment in preparation. Well, as we know, being in position one, he will have to wait until all the other handicapped uh, woodchoppers start before he can make his first swing. Oh, the bloke in number two is limbering up. They're, they're all fairly limber, actually. They're looking very, um, very switched on and um, in deep concentration here, as you've got to be when you're in this event. Now they're taking their competitors standing the logs. Standing the logs. Get ready. One, two, three. You can hear the steward calling out the uh, handicaps. Personally, my money's on the guy from Queensland. Actually, he's looking... Looking very, very. Uh, oh yeah, she started started fast, but he's yeah, he's gonna. Sorry, he's already halfway through. I think you might be on the money here, Kurt. Um, I think the the cup's coming home to Victoria. So he's hit a hard bit. The axe jammed then. Could handicap him. Jammed again, jammed again. Oh. It's getting close. The excitement's building here. And you can see, oh, and that was close. That was a matter of a split second between those. So we have the New South Wales boys taking the crown. Position number two. There's literally only half a second in it. So these handicappers must really know their job. They, um... They're just out there doing an inspection now to make sure that there's nothing untoward about the uh, the result. No, it looks like it's all above board. <laughs> so we have correct weight, do we, in this event? Oh, they're having a good look. <sighs> looks that way. Definitely looks that way. There's the whistle. Stuff can happen again now. I tell you, you could come out to the Easter show every day and just spend the whole day in the woodchop pavilion. There's that much excitement here. You could. You definitely could. It's almost a carnival-like atmosphere here at the moment. We're just walking into the uh, the main arena and uh, out the front there's a carnival going on and a, a woman on top of a an elephant going past. With, with dancers and so on. It, it's quite a festival atmosphere here, Kurt. Very much so. You don't see enough elephants in the street. You do not. We're just sitting in the members' bar at the moment at the Royal Easter Show, and um, Kurt's got some interesting information about the showground. As I was saying, they AFL, when, they took out, when the Giants came into the comp, they built the stand on the right that you can see that's sort of tacked onto the end of the... Angus stand, and they built the one on the left that tacks onto the members. 
and they built this screen at the end that's the biggest, was at the time, the biggest LED sports stadium screen in the country, which has now been overtaken by the huge one in the actual stadium over there, but at the time it was the biggest, in 2012. And as the Giants grow over the next 50 or so years, they will build a stand at the end to encapsulate the entire oval, showing, you know, the value of having an AFL team here. And they built the two light stands at the end. I thought we had an AFL team here, the Swans. No, that's South Melbourne. They don't really belong in Sydney. South Melbourne and always will be. Let me tell you that. Just as is Fitzroy is playing up in Brisbane. The Giants, based in Western Sydney, are out here at the showground. That's their home ground. And AFL, for people who don't know, is uh, a very boring game that is um, celebrated by tens of people up here. It's, it's, it's quite a spectacular event to see these tens of people get out and, and talk up this horrible game. Very much so. I do agree with that. We're sitting in the Anthony Horton or John Fairfax or some Fairfax. Fairfax used to give lots of money to worthwhile causes that excluded others. Yes, uh, Kurt and I are ex-Fairfax employees, actually, so we, we did have a little bit to do with the Easter show back in the early days when it was out at the showground. Yes, um, I remember. The original Sydney showground. I have fond memories of that and the interesting group of lunatics that used to help us sell papers during the Easter show time. Uh, very special time to look back on, Kurt. That's, I recall a memory of yours where you went searching for one of the paper sellers well after closing time and found him yelling out, get your tele-herald, get your tele-herald, and there was nobody left inside the actual showground. Do you recall that? I do recall that. Actually, he was a very committed seller. Very committed. Um, not very effective, but very committed. So the Easter show's now moved out to our Olympic Stadium precinct, uh, the Olympic venue. And it's, it's kind of grown some legs over the past 20 years or so it's been here. Well, it definitely has, you know. I don't think it will ever replace, in my memory, the ambience of the old site, but still, it has grown and it is bigger. It was certainly a, a feeling of um, nostalgia associated with the old venue. Um, obviously, the, the Horton Pavilion and the, the Sydney Cricket Ground and so on, all in that precinct. Um, and the show kind of sprouted up around that area. Um, but, yeah, out here, it, it's beginning to... Um, become a fixture and people are accepting it now. There was a lot of pushback in the early days when uh, when they first moved out here but um, yeah, I like it out here. There's a bit more room to move and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly grown some legs. So yeah, what, what's one of the things you miss from the old showground, um, Kurt? Well, I for one miss the old um, ski lifts that used to be there and they were, as you will recall, manned by gentlemen I don't know if there are any ladies, but definitely gentlemen wearing traditional or what was perceived to be traditional Swiss mountaineering costume. Though it was bright red and they did wear long white socks, reminiscent of what your father may have worn in the 1970s should he have been a public servant or a lawyer. But it does 
does bring back fond memories of watching them stand there going, how many? And you would say two or three or four perhaps. And you would hope that you did not have to share a lift with a stranger because you preferred to enjoy it on one's own. While observing the daintily clad gentleman organising things so thoroughly well. Yeah, it's certainly a blast from the past, that one. Um, the chairlift, he used to carry you right across the top of the Easter show and you could see uh, all the, the people walking under you with their show bags in hand and and children and so on, uh, all out there enjoying themselves in the sunshine. Um, maybe they'll do something like that here in the future, Kurt. One could only hope. One could only hope that that, you know, is on, on the agenda of the RAS to bring that back, to create memories for people. I mean, these are memories that are lost to us now, those that haven't experienced it. And one would have loved to experience that, say, with one's grandchildren one day, etc. Yeah, sad tradition that, that's left us, but um, I guess with, with modern times comes modern traditions and, and new things that we'll be able to share with the grandkids when, uh, when that day does come. Um, any, any signs of grandchildren on your horizon there, Kurt? Oh, fuck no. As you well know, our, our follow, fellow podcaster, Sid, has uh, become a grandfather for the second time recently. And, um, yeah, he's, he's beginning to look like an old grandfather. Yes, that was always going to happen. Um, yes, the foundations were that were laid, you know, long ago. Very fertile bunch, Sid's family. Very much so, very much so. Um, as we remember, you know, he was the first person we knew that had a child. Yeah, many, many years ago. And, you know, that set the tone for what was to come, you know. And two grandchildren at a relatively young age. Two? Two or three? Two grandchildren, Probably yeah. Probably more on the way, so, you know. And then great-grandchildren. See, Sid may experience great-grandchildren, which is something that us that waited till we were 30 to have children potentially will miss because, you know, our children show no inclination in that direction whatsoever. No, uh, my wife and I are actively uh, discouraging him from that um, with the line that we are, we're too young to be grandparents just yet. Let's just face it, the pond is pretty full if it comes to that and they can, you know, figure it out amongst themselves. Kurt, you mentioned before um, about how chopped up the ground was. I'm just noticing a tractor going past with a large roller now. They're just uh, they're rolling all the... Uh, the ground, it's actually looking a lot better now out in the centre there where it's rolled. Yeah, there's still some definitely chopped up bits. I wouldn't be want to be running through with a pair of footy boots on. Um, yeah, I noticed they're setting up one of those um, large trucks with a, a motorcycle ramp on it. They do a lot of the aerobatic type uh, motorcycle stuff here in the main arena. And yeah, you certainly wouldn't want your, your bike to be running over that chopped up area either. Uh, you need it, as you well know, very, very smooth able to get the traction you need to uh, negotiate one of these jumps. Yeah, so I'd imagine there's a chappy with a death wish somewhere nearby, you know, readying himself to entertain us. Um, just further on that roller, I did notice when it rolled past just then how it had actually quite well flattened things out. But, I mean, the motorcyclists with the death wish, when he appears, or she, it could be a she nowadays, or a chant trans person, or perhaps someone that identifies as a dolphin. Um, may appear in, on their on their motorcycle, one would assume it to be a motorcycle, and entertain us and probably rip it all back up again so that it can keep the roller gentleman 
doing what he probably enjoys most in this world, which is rolling things. He missed a bit there. I don't know if there's anyone there to point that out to him, but... Anyway, I don't think it... Yeah, no, he's certainly not following script here, is he? He's kind of... It's not an up-and-down movement. It's kind of all over the place. It's like um, backwards and forwards, and then you'll do a half-circle, and he's, he's missed a good portion of the the perceived section where this bike's going to be uh, running backwards and forwards. Uh, should anything come of it, if there are any injuries, I think it could be... The blame could be placed squarely on his shoulders for that. Oh, definitely so. I'm be precedent certainly to about some sort of legal case against you know everyone involved he, you know the roller man included and you know for the grieving relatives of the chappie with the death wish who probably a very depressed individual probably thinking about god only knows what at the moment they, they give of themselves without thought just to entertain us they just get out there and, and they'll jump over anything um, some might say foolishly but it's all in the name of entertainment, so it's a good thing. Yes, very much so, very much so. We must be entertained, and after all, we've, you know, although we're members, we haven't paid to get in today, we have paid to get in every day, so therefore, you know, someone's got to obviously put their life on the line and give us some form of entertainment while we sit here in the air-conditioned comfort of the members' lounge that normal people would not normally experience, which makes me feel good. It is nice not having to associate with the plebs. Um, that's one of the benefits of membership. So you can get your membership at rasnewsouthwales.com.au and uh, you can pick up a membership and then you won't have to sit with the plebs. You can get into all these um, roped-off members' areas, which we find quite thrilling. Yes, very much. I, I definitely... It's the highlight of my year, that's for sure. And I'm definitely thrilled to pieces to be a part of it. We've got a brilliant view of the main arena here. It's um, quite an event. And I was telling Kurt while he was out in the bar area, um, I, I saw that a lot of these people have cased out the tables by the window here. Um, and... When one of them got up to leave and left their table, there was quite a um, quite a big movement by two rival groups to try and secure that table as their own. And I could see there was a lot of sideways glances and so on. Um, and they were moving towards the table and they were very, um, very adamant that they wanted that table. And... Um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of stink eye was thrown about there, and um, they, you know, there was there was a big rush, and then uh, finally the woman who who now holds that table triumphantly thrust her bag on top of it. Uh, it was very much akin to uh, putting a, a flag at the summit of Mount Everest. But anyway, we are now watching the uh, the mascots go around on the quad bikes out here in the main arena. Um, Quad bikes being a very dangerous uh, form of transport at the best of times. But imagine trying to do that dressed as a large squirrel or as, as pluck a duck as, as they are. Um, and it looks like they're going to jump over this um, this motor, motor vehicle that's between the big ramps. So we're waiting with bated breath here to see what happens. Um, What's your opinion, Kurt, on what's going to happen here? I mean, it looks very dangerous to me. Well, you know, as I said to you, death is definitely stalking these three people who we're seeing. We've got two of them dressed like 
pluck a duck and the other one looks to be dressed as a large squirrel. Um, what's the significance of that, Kurt? I think he might actually be a coyote of some type. And I think they may be chickens. I think this Ooh. is called Chicken Run. Chicken Run, okay. Oh, now I'm on board. I've got to say, um, I wasn't thinking much of it when I first saw them come out, but my God, the adrenaline's pumping now. Yes, it's definitely exciting. Oh, one's gone over a jump, now the other one's gone over, and the third one. And no, they're not dead, which is obviously a bonus for them. It's a bonus for them, but the crowd's looking a bit disappointed. I think yeah. they were baying for blood out here. Yes, I think, you know, the odd death or two wouldn't go astray. Not unlike the wood chopping arena, which I've um, likened to the Coliseum, um, this also has quite a Coliseum atmosphere about it. Yes, yes, but in a different way. Isn't the members' area a great place to view this stuff from, Kurt? I, I recommend to anybody they should join up and get an RAS membership so they can enjoy the members' lounge as we are doing right now. Yes, you should definitely do that. Definitely worth the investment. I think Kurt said a couple of minutes ago this is the best money he's ever spent on the... Very much so, the best I've ever spent. Never spent better. Next up in the main arena, Kurt, we've got the aerobatic bikes. Um, geez, I tell you what, these guys are fearless. Absolutely fearless. Absolutely incredible. They're, they're riding the bikes over this, I, I guess, three-metre-high ramp across a gap of probably 30 metres and doing various aerobatic manoeuvres between landing on a, a ramp on the other side attached to a large truck. Um, this is one of the most exciting things I've ever seen, Kurt. Amazing. Very amazing. It's quite incredible. Um, what would you rate this uh, on the Death Wish scale? Oh, this would be right up there. This would have to be an 8 or a 9, I would imagine. It just makes you wonder, in the, um, the name of entertainment... Are you prepared to put your body on the line to this degree, Kurt? Well, me personally, no, obviously. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad that others are willing to sacrifice themselves for my own enjoyment. Wow. I, I just don't know if you'd call it enjoyment. Um, it harkens back to the days of Evil Knievel and um, the great Dale Buggins that um, did these type of uh, shows. My God, it takes some courage to do something like that. Yes, the tragic life of Dale Buggins and, um, of course, evil. Not such a tragic life, but all met the same end, I guess. Dead. Yes, we all we all leave that way. Um, evil can evil. Wow, there's there's a blast from the past. Yes, definitely dead or evil. Um, emphysemia or something, I think, rather than, you know, death by jumping bus. Yeah, that's, that's not the way people thought he'd go. They thought he'd die at, at the hands of a motorcycle, but um, no, he um, kind of wasted away and, um, and and passed away, gee, must be 15 years ago now. And you watch these guys do similar routines, it um, kind of stirs the memories up. Yes, although they're not really jumping 15 or 20 London buses, but still, the you know, the spirit's the same and... Death is just waiting for these fellows with open arms. The spirit's the same, but the, the, the courage, I think, is the same as well. I mean, it, it really takes something to um, to get out there and do something like that. It's certainly something I could never do. 
Yes, but providing as much entertainment. Here we go, Chappie there, hanging onto his bike, getting quite aerial. You know, all doing it for us, you know, for our own personal entertainment. Oh, there's another one. Oh, oh, he nearly came off, but still he stayed on. Yeah, they're, they're kind of pushing the limits of, um, of human endurance doing something like that. That's just amazing how they managed to hold on to it like that. It's, um, oh, my God. Oh, I can't explain that. It, the guy did a jump, and then he released his hands midair and put his feet on the handlebars, raised his hands way above his head, and then regained control of the bike before it touched down. My goodness. This is a sight to behold here at the, in the main arena, Kurt. Very much so, very much so. Glad we're, you know, witnessing it from our quite comfortable position here in the members' area. So easily it could go awry, but they just managed to hold on and um, give us the entertainment we deserve. Yes, yes, I mean, he deserved really to fall off and break his leg quite horribly in that one, but, you know, somehow he didn't. But we can only wish him well. So Kurt and I are now exiting the Easter show. We've just walked past a pharmacist, a discount pharmacist. Of all things, a discount pharmacist. Why would one get out to the show and think, wow, I should have brought my prescriptions with me. I can get them filled there. An urgent prescription, that must be the reason for it. Are there, are there doctors here you can go and see and then have those scripts fulfilled out here? Definitely makes one wonder. It sure does. One of the one of the mysteries that is the Easter show. Um, been quite a fun day today, actually. We uh, saw a couple of things. We were hoping to get over to the Animal Pavilion and um, get a few interviews, but we'll do that tomorrow when I'm out here with the wife. Um, she's always one that likes an interview. Uh, we'll see what we can what we can find. Goodbye. For, for today, uh, Kurt and myself signing off. Goodbye, listener. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast with No Name today and to Eddie and Kurt's trip to the Easter show. We had a lot of fun getting out there talking to people and generally sitting down and uh, spinning a few yarns about old days at the show and you know, stuff we did in the past and how it's kind of translated over to the new venue and what it's like out there these days. We had a great time. I hope you did too. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at podnoname at gmail.com. You can also get us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podnoname or at podnoname. If you'd like to make a donation to help us continue doing this podcast, you can jump onto Patreon at patreon.com slash podnoname. Hit the subscribe button and you'll see when our next episodes are posted. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Hopefully we'll see you and hear you next week. I'd also like to do a shameless plug for Kurt's alter ego. Kurt is actually an author, and he's just written a book called The Fallen. His writing alter ego is Justin Fox. So have a look on Audible and all the audiobook 
uh, platforms like Kobo, Amazon, Google, and so on. And look for The Fallen by Justin Fox. I actually did the audio version for him, so if you like the sound of my voice, which you probably don't, but regardless of that, jump on and have a look for The Fallen by Justin Fox. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week. Just sitting here, we're looking at, you know, the guys who are preparing their, their blocks for the next event. And hardwood, it, it can't be cheap. We're just wondering how they train. We're going to try and get a couple of interviews uh, down on the floor, on the arena floor. We're going to try and get some interviews and get some of these questions answered. Questions that a lot of our listeners have had for years. Overturned decisions. That's an ad result. Oh. So I got excited then. I thought there was an overturned um, result here in the wood shopping. It's actually just an ad. <laughs> so, so disregard that, listener. It appears not. Three. You can hear the four, steward calling out five, the uh, six, handicaps. Seven, eight, I think he's dead, and it's nine, just a recording. Ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, Seems to have been doing it a long 15. time. I don't know if you noticed, Kurt, but when they're preparing the um, the overhand log for the event, they're using some of the skills the early settlers used in the production of shingles. Please explain that to me. Well, you know, the, instead of roof tiles, they use shingles back of the early settlers. Yeah. Um, and I assume that this is the method they use to make those shingles. I imagine so.